And do you love your job, by the way? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you get to work with little babies? I get to work with babies and amazing families and parents and just staff. Everyone there has a common mission, right, to take care of each other. It's awesome. Welcome to Pediatrics Now, cases, updates, and discussions for the busy practitioner. I'm your host, Holly Waymont. I work for UT Health San Antonio's Department of Pediatrics. In this podcast, we explore how we can provide the best, most cutting-edge, compassionate care for children. We hope to give you a unique and behind-the-scenes edge from our expert guests. After listening, click on the link on this podcast for free credit that may include CME, MOC, or ethics credit, depending on the topic or podcast. This is Pediatrics Now, cases, updates, and discussions for the busy pediatric practitioner. Today, we're talking about AI, precision medicine, and neonates. Joining me here in the podcast studio is Dr. Kaiser Aziz. He's with Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Aziz, thank you for being here today in the podcast studio. Thank you so much for inviting me and giving me this opportunity to talk about things I love. It's great to have you here. I know you're presenting at Grand Rounds Mm -hmm. tomorrow, and we'll get to that in a minute. May I call you Kaiser? Of course. So, Kaiser, you're an assistant professor of pediatrics and practicing neonatologist and associate program director of the Biomedical Informatics and Data Science. Yep. And, yeah, I work as a clinician, a researcher, an educator, wear multiple hats, do multiple roles, all of them, which I enjoy. And you were inspired to go into neonatology because of uncertainty? Yeah, because um, when... A baby is admitted to the NICU, it's oftentimes a hard stop for a family because it's something unexpected. It's something that parents weren't expecting, the family wasn't expecting, and oftentimes the course is unknown, especially for our tiniest patients because their hospital stays span 50 days, 60 days, hundreds of days, and during that entire time, it's filled with uncertainty for the tiniest babies. Where some families, they're there, and it might be only two, three, four days, but those are two, three, four days that you didn't expect to be in the hospital with your child. I think that's really beautiful that that's what inspired you, and there's so much uncertainty in life that we don't realize, and especially when you have a, a new baby, you weren't planning for this to be the way it would go, and everyone's scared, and to be able to help in that moment. Yeah, and I think oftentimes it's just providing mindful presence and trying to do the best we can to provide babies with the tools for the bo- for their bodies to heal. So speaking of tools and uncertainty, um, AI can sound so promising but also so scary. You say we all probably already have AI in our lives and may not realize it. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So I think AI, artificial intelligence, has multiple meanings, different meanings. And when I say we might have it in our lives already, I think there are certain rules that AI follows. And if we say the rules for your Netflix, your Amazon account, Mm -hmm. your Target mailing list, and it's based on rules. And it's based on your preferences, your prior history of what you did, what you watched, what you bought. And it makes recommendations. So that is a form of AI out there. And I think the real root question here is based off generative AI. 
where some of these new large language models and NLP is coming forward that is helping create new content. And it can be particularly promising in medicine, really something to look forward to. Yeah, it can be very promising in medicine where you can actually generate new insights, new thoughts, new ways to look at a problem, to address a problem. Kaiser, you earned your medical degree from University of Florida, and you did your residency at Jacoby Medical Center and fellowship at Johns Hopkins, where you are today. While there, you've taken this special interest in AI and precision medicine. Tell me about that. Yeah, so part of my fellowship work and going on to faculty at Hopkins was focused on precision medicine. Oftentimes, when people think precision medicine, they think genetic data, genomics, DNA, RNA. But precision medicine also looks at all clinical data, waveform data, imaging data, heart rate data, lab data, notes, problem lists, diagnoses, procedures. And there's a ton of data that's generated. And I think those insights can also be leveraged to better care for our patients and families. So should we be scared or hopeful, Kaiser? I think hopeful because it's the person and how we as a society decide to use this information. So I would say hopeful. Can AI actually help with the customer experience? We think of it as a computer being so impersonal, but could it advance us and allow us to actually spend more time with our patients? I think, Holly, I absolutely agree there. I'm just going to pick up on what you said. And yeah, it can actually help us spend more time with our patients because we can automate the mundane, the routine tasks, and actually approach the patients in our waiting rooms, our families waiting for their next appointment. When will it be? Because can you predict a wait time? Can you actually predict, okay, you're going to be seen at this time, potentially in 20 minutes, 30 minutes for your vaccine. So you can go pick up your other child from soccer practice. And I think there it's going to help with the patient experience and also help with, okay, maybe I shouldn't schedule 20 patients in this time window. Maybe we could schedule 18 on Fridays at 4 p.m. because that's a better workflow. And so AI in the future, though, could allow staff members while the clinician is back in an exam room to be able to look somewhere and say, okay, it's looking like this patient will be able to be seen at this time. Yeah. And where you can actually use your own practice patterns. And if you're a busy pediatrician, if you're a busy clinician, and in your day-to-day, you could actually streamline workflows where not only is the physician responsible, the entire staff is responsible, the entire team is responsible because we have to come together as a whole unit in a healthcare system when caring for patients. So are you saying so AI can help reduce wait times? That could be one way, yeah. And it could help reduce wait times. It could help potentially identify areas where and how to reduce wait times. And then it's up to the practice to incorporate them. And I've been reading a lot about the AI potential and in medicine and some of the mundane tasks that all practitioners know all too well, spending two hours on notes. Could that become a thing of the past? Yeah. I mean, that's what all clinicians, Mm -hmm. that's something all healthcare professionals do wish is better, where we could actually spend less time documenting and spending and instead spend time with patients 
but knowing full well that documentation is important too, and the right components are captured for that patient's history, for that patient's care. And I think that's needed too, and that's where AI can help. Is, so is AI already helping tiny babies? I would say yes, because tiny babies are some of the most vulnerable patients that we take care of. And they're the ones in our hospitals, like I started off saying, like for months at a time. And they're the ones generating the most amount of data. And that data can provide insights into some major complications for them. And we could better talk with families, better prepare families, or even change that specific outcome that we're most worried about by learning different things that we hadn't discovered before. Could the data be wrong? Absolutely. And that is exactly why we need to approach this very slowly, very methodically, be very conscientious about the work. And this isn't one of those things, I think this is right, or okay, it might be right. We need to validate this work. We need to look at not only our data sets locally, but see if these insights work out globally and proceed cautiously. Do you have any thoughts, Kaiser, on the potential for AI with x-rays or echocardiograms? Yeah, so there's a lot of work being done right now institutionally and then at other institutions I know that can we automate an x-ray read? Can we actually identify features in it or patterns in it that signify a specific disease or an onset of disease? Or is it actually reading the most common complications such as a pneumonia? Can AI read out pneumonia for you, right? Can it? I don't know. Can it in the future? Maybe, probably. But I think you still need that clinical context where there's still a human touch to medicine, and we shouldn't just forego that. Is it true AI won't ever be able to do what a trained doctor as a human can do? I mean, AI could do some things better, but when it comes to our humanity, mm -hmm. it could never. Yeah, I think just the humanity, right? That patient connection is important. And like we talked about, I went into neonatology because of the uncertainty, the unknown. And AI can tr try to shed some light on the uncertainty and unknown, but it doesn't provide that human connection where it's two o'clock in the morning and you're sitting with a family because their patient their loved one isn't doing well. And I don't know how AI replaces that, but it does give me the opportunity to speak with them and counsel them more effectively. Gives you information faster, more information. Yeah, it gives me more information and more information that is specific to their loved one. It's not population level data, it's patient specific data. It's data that matters to them for their child. So here on Pediatrics Now, we love quotes. I think of the quote, knowledge is power. What would you say when, with our discussion today? What's, what's the quote? I do agree, knowledge is power. And the way I, my quote, it would be big data with a conscience because we're generating data. It needs to be harmonized. And how we utilize it, we need to be very thoughtful about it. So what should our pediatric practitioner listeners be doing? What would you suggest that they do right now to incorporate AI into our practices? 
I think, like we started, you mentioned knowledge is power and big data with a conscience. So I think it's important. It's becoming part of our everyday just to familiarize ourselves with it. That would be step one. And then just see it as an opportunity, potentially, uh, where how and why would you consider incorporating it? Because it has multiple applications. And if your goal is to see patients sooner, reduce wait times, improve operations at a systems level, then absolutely. You know, there's multiple tools out there. You could potentially start incorporating them on a daily basis. But if the goal is to say when outcome X will happen for my patient, I think we still need a lot of work there. In terms of notes, is that already being used where, like, say in Dragon Speak, is that AI? Ah, so that's pretty much uh, speech to text. So similar to the iPhone where you could speak into it and it'll generate like a voice note for you or a text thread for you. I would consider it more along those lines. The holy grail would be if all the labs, all the problem lists, all the imaging, all the vitals, everything just flowed in and populated a note that captured the patient's case accurately. That would be the ideal scenario mm. for AI. So that would be so a bit like the dragon speak, but taking it much further. Mm-hmm. And another thing that folks hope one day can be accomplished is where just like this conversation we're having right now uh, in a clinic visit, you're having a conversation with a patient. They're telling you about their their medical history, the major complaint that brought them in today, some of the medications they're taking, and it's a back and forth. And during that back and forth, a note is generated. During that back and forth, it's like, hey, I think you are discussing diabetes management, or hey, I think you're discussing hypertension. So that would be a nice application of AI. And I'm really passionate about customer service in medicine. I've written a book about it and done training on it. And one of the doctors I worked with, she was losing patients. They weren't coming back after the first visit. And when I observed her, she was on her computer the whole time when the patient was in the exam room and writing down notes. Do you... So AI could help in an example like that, where you could just be seeing the patient? Yeah, potentially, because I think uh, between your book and a few years back, there was an image of a um, child, and it ended up on the cover of one of the pediatric journals, where they showed a doctor, and it was a kid's drawing showing a doctor just staring at a screen with their back towards them, and that, that mm-hmm. was a doctor visit. Mm. And I think new technology in general can help improve that patient-physician interaction. And it's so important to pay attention to that body language or what may not be being said in Mm -hmm. that encounter. Exactly. There's that human connection. What do you see happening in the near future with with AI and then down the road? Ah, In the near future, I think we can operationalize some of the mundane things like we talked about, optimize wait times, optimize appointments. Hey, you haven't had your annual checkup. Hey, I think you're a marathon runner and you might need your annual checkup sooner, later. I think those things can be automated. That's one opportunity. Um, Wait times, like we talked about, improving just the system's workflow and making sure everyone has access to the same information. 
And I think something that's coming up in AI, and if it's already not here, I know in our work, it's at the forefront, is to do this work ethically and responsibly. Because this is pe patient information. The, this is people's lives. And we shouldn't be just sharing their data or sharing their information for everyone. Even the example of you know recording a patient interaction and generating a note. First, I think it's important to ask the patient, hey, is it okay if we record this interaction? Is it okay if... I use your voice to, today to get this information while we're having this conversation. And I think we should have those sorts of thoughts and questions at the forefront rather than as an afterthought. And if the patient says no, then go back to the old-fashioned way. Yeah, of course. exactly. So what would you recommend, Kaiser? How do we protect ourselves when it comes to AI and the scary parts? Or is that too strong of a word? <laughs> I think... Uh, protect ourselves, I would say, just good practices. Like each institution is actually thinking about this, including like UT Health San Antonio, right? They're thinking about this. We don't click on links in emails. We don't provide our social security numbers to folks. We right. are responsible about social media and the things that we're posting and sharing our GPS location. Just good practices, good habits. And as people, especially people and institutions, decide to start incorporating AI and using AI, I think there's a responsibility on them too to serve their community and make sure this aligns with the community you're serving. There's an, a really interesting recent article um, by Dr. Daniela Lamas, and she's a contributing opinion writer and pulmonary and critical care physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. And this was in the New York Times. She writes, when faced with a particularly tough question on rounds during my intern year, I would run straight to the bathroom. There, I would flip through the medical reference book I carried in my pocket, find the answer, and return to the group ready to respond. At the time, I believed that my job was to memorize, to know the most arcane of medical eponyms by heart. Surely an excellent clinician would not need to consult a book or computer to diagnose a patient, or so I thought then. Not even two decades later, we find ourselves at the dawn of what many believe to be a new era in medicine, one in which artificial intelligence promises to write our notes, to communicate with patients, and offer diagnosis. The potential is dazzling, but as these systems improve and are integrated into our practices in the coming years, we will face complicated questions. Where does specialized expertise live? If the thought process to arrive at a diagnosis can be done by a computer or co-pilot, how does that change the practice of medicine for doctors and for patients? No, that's very interesting, and I came across this article myself, and I'd like to begin by saying, or just address this by saying, it's okay to say, I don't know. We don't know. We shouldn't have an ego. This is about taking care of someone's loved one. And if I don't know the answer, I don't know the answer. It's, I feel it's my responsibility to help find that answer or to get the best answer possible. Because there's a lot of unknowns in medicine. And you rely on expert opinion, you rely on case reports, you rely on evidence to help guide your decision. And if AI or generative AI can help piece together information, 
to help come up with a differential, to help provide evidence, that's great. Because I could use that information, incorporate it with my thinking, incorporate it with thinking of others and peers, and go back to the patient and say, this is what we came up with. So again, it's a tool. And I don't think it replaces specialists or clinicians in any way because we still need to process that information. We need to validate that information. We need to say, does it actually matter for my patient? That's great advice. So Kaiser, here on Pediatrics Now in this high burnout, high stress career, which hopefully AI can help in that, um, what do you like to do in your spare time? I hear you like to go to national parks. Yeah, uh, so trying to spend time outdoors. I know we're talking about AI and computers and data harmonization, but being outdoors, it's very fulfilling. Hiking, running, swimming, and those are all hobbies. And then sports, big college football fan, and love my gators and my dolphins. So, yes. And that helps you recharge. Yes, <laughs> it helps me decompress. But the work is fun. So it's very enjoyable. And um, the high burnout, high stress, it's a real problem. And just decompressing with the activities that I just mentioned, but also knowing that the work that we're doing is trying to help make the day-to-day easier for everyone. I think that's key. And you're making a difference. Well, I hope we are. And I just leave it to the end user because <laughs> they decide if it's making a difference, not me. You're presenting at Grand Rounds tomorrow morning. Anything from there you want to tell us? Yeah. Uh, So uh, tomorrow at Grand Rounds, I'll be focusing on just the ability to use emerging technologies for data harmonization. Because we can develop AI, we could build insights, but if you're building insights only locally, only on two patients or three patients, I don't think that information is generalizable. And this is where current metrics and current ways and current technologies uh, for data harmonization are making that easier so we could generate large-scale evidence. Kaiser, is there anything we haven't mentioned regarding precision medicine, neonates, and AI that you'd like to say? Uh, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And think it's going to happen fast. The most important thing, in my opinion, and again, this is just an opinion, is to make sure at the end of the day, we're just trying to take better care of our patients and families and just do it in an ethical and responsible way. Well, Kaiser, I I feel so lucky to be able to be having this discussion with you here today. Thank you so much for being here today on Pediatrics Now. No, thank you so much. Kaiser Aziz with Johns Hopkins Medical Center. Thank you so much for being here today on Pediatrics Now. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Pediatrics Now, cases, updates, and discussions for the busy pediatric practitioner. Click on the link in the text of this podcast for free credit that may include CME, MOC, or ethics credit, depending on the topic or podcast. Our website is pediatricsnowpodcast.com. You'll see my email address there. Please reach out with episode ideas or comments. If you know a practitioner who may be interested in this podcast, please share. 
Coming up next week on Pediatrics Now, antibiotics, how the face of antibiotics in babies is changing. I love the quote by Nelson Mandela, history will judge us by the difference we make in the everyday lives of children. Thank you to our listeners who are making a difference in the lives of children. I'll see you next week.